above everything else with all our faults and everything else integrity and that's what excites me about my friend my brother my pastor pastor joseph we'll continue to pray for him amen how many of us will continue to pray for him in 2019 come on make it your goal to continue to pray for your pastor and his family in 2019 okay without much further ado I'd like to invite pastor let's just give my hand as he comes thank you thank you so god bless you, you may be seated um with the goal setting seminar for those who can't afford afford it there are complimentary tickets but there's only a few left because the spaces are limited so if you can't afford it you speak to andrew and um if you can't pay anything you can still register all right good morning good morning um it's good to be in church i wonder if you could reduce the treble a bit for me please it, there seems to be a hissing sound coming through i want to begin to teach something to help us um as we go into a new year that we are quite familiar with i want to talk about the power of the word of god i going to share it today on Christmas Day and also next Sunday just to help us as we enter into the new year to get our focus in the right place. The power of the Word of God. So that's what I'm going to be speaking on today, on Tuesday and also on Sunday. I want to read a few scriptures and then we are going to go into what we want to share. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Psalm 138, verse 2. Psalm 138, verse 2. I'm just going to read several scriptures. And I've given out the notes. I don't know if you've received them already. But this, these verses are in the notes as well. Psalm 138 verse 2. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. You have magnified your word above all your name. Psalm 107 verse 20. Psalm 107 Verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. One last portion of scripture, Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11. Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what i please and it shall prosper in the thing for which i sent it amen let's pray heavenly father once again I thank you for your people. 
I thank you for helping us throughout this year, the various challenges that we have had. Thank you that your word has kept us. Father, today I ask that your Holy Spirit will illuminate our minds and our souls and our spirits with your word. And that we'll be empowered through your word to do whatever you want us to do in the coming year. In Jesus' name, amen. So from the first verse that we read, Jeremiah 15 verse 16, I want to briefly highlight four things about the word of God that we are going to kind of re-emphasize and repeat throughout these teachings. First thing is that God's word, he says, so that verse of scripture says, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name. O Lord, God of, o Lord God of hosts. And for the sake of um, the heat, if we close the door so that all the heat doesn't escape, that would also help. Thank you. <clears throat> so, I want to highlight four things about this verse. First of all, God's word must be found. So, we're talking about the power of God's word. The power of God's word. And... Um, when you understand the role that God's word plays in your life, in my life, and you allow the word of God to have supremacy over your life, then the only limits on your life are the limits that the word of God has. And there are limits to what God's word will allow you to do and what God's word will not allow you to do. But the first thing is, he says, your word was found. And I add them. The, your word was found. So when we're talking about God's word, if we want God's word to have the right place in our lives, then we must discover God's word. We must dig for God's word. We must search for God's word. Your word was found. I'm going to touch on that a little bit later. Second thing is, when we find the word, God's word must be eaten. God's word must be eaten. First thing is this. God's word will transform us. God's word will transform us. He said, your word was found, were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And the fourth thing is this, God's word is our inheritance. So when we enter into God's kingdom, the most important gift we receive with the Holy Spirit is the word of God. In fact, it is through the word of God that we entered into God's kingdom. So let's just touch on that briefly. God's word must be found. The th when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the things of God or the deep things of God that really will make an, a, an everlasting impact on our life, they don't come cheaply. They don't come cheaply. God's word, any truth in God's word that will have a profound impact on your life and cause your life to enter into more of the things and purposes of God that he has already pre preordained for you has to come through inquiry. God's word for you to discover whatever revelation God has for your life, whatever promises God has for your life, for you to discover it, it will demand some form of inquiry. Proverbs 25 verse 2 says this. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter. God, for whatever reason, 
hides things from us. And for us to have them, we have to literally be intentional about it. We have to be intentional. You can be in, in the kingdom of God for many, many years and never, never move forward in the things of God. You know, when I was teaching in the apostolic summit, we talked about the fact that many Christians for the majority of their life remain in the baby stage or at best in the child stage of their development and never really ever mature beyond that level. The things of God and the things of God's kingdom are of tremendous value. But to the uninformed, they often appear irrelevant or even out of sync with our modern times. So you hear people say things like this. I know the Bible says, but. I know God's word says, but. Because they have not discovered the true treasure and value that is in God's word. And look at our Lord Jesus. He's given a parable in Mark chapter 4, verse 11. He gives a parable of sower. And then the disciples come to him and ask him, why do you speak to, ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he says this in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 11. He said this. To you it is being given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Now, you may have heard people say Jesus taught in parables so that people could understand what he was trying to say. And it sounds really good, but actually that's not true. Jesus taught in parables so that people did not understand what he was saying. That's the reason why he taught in parables. He taught in parables so that the church, the people of God, will one day enter into the truths concerning his kingdom. So the parables were given so that people wouldn't understand. It's like I was saying to someone the other day, parables were like watching a film. You know, like you watch films, and many times we watch a film, and we just think that's a great film, but the people who made the film have a different agenda. They are programming you to think a certain way. They are sending messages to reconstruct your worldview, and you have no idea. They're telling another story within the story that you are watching. Well, that's how the parables are. The parables of the kingdom are about the truths of the kingdom that are so valuable, so precious, that the people of God, when they discover them, are willing to go all out for God. So, so that's the point of the parable. So when, when, I'm say, when I say that God's word has to be found, you have to learn to search out the things that God is saying to you in his word. There are truths and there are levels of revelation in the word of God. You can read something in the Bible today and you think, oh, I get this verse now. And a year later, you read the same thing and you get whatever you had before will be not just reinforced, but you have an, an now a whole new paradigm about that thing. So you don't learn something that is contradictory. You just grow in greater understanding and revelation. And that knowledge will then empower you to be more and more like Christ. So, when it comes to God's word, God's word is so valuable. It is like this parable, Matthew chapter 13, 45 and 46. Our Lord is giving the parable and he says, this, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
Now, this parable has several layers to it. The merchant can be Jesus who gives up everything for his church. But the merchant can also be you. And you're wondering, as you've been searching, 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 when you discover Christ and his kingdom, you're willing to sacrifice everything to follow him. Can you say amen? But there are other layers to it. It's like the pearl of great price can be the word of God, where as you are seeking and searching for um, understanding and the things of God, you will, you, as you seek and seek and seek, you will stumble upon something or discover something that is so valuable in the kingdom that you're willing to sacrifice everything concerning, in order for you rather, to possess that revelation that you have. And beloved, for us as believers, we have the greatest treasure there is. We have Christ. <laughs> that is the greatest treasure there is. That is the most important treasure there is. But most believers don't even, don't, yeah, we have Christ, but now we want to do well in life. That's the, like, yeah, okay, we've got Christ now, so now let's now move on from Christ. You, you don't move on from Christ. He is the ultimate. When you understand who he is, he is the ultimate. The more you know him, the more you want to know. The more you know him, the more your life is transformed. The more you know the more you enter into true reality concerning every other aspect of your life. So, first of all, the word of God must be found. It must be discovered. You, as a child of God, must learn to pursue and search out God's word concerning your life. Many, many years ago, as I, when I started in my faith, for the first two years, I just couldn't stand the thing. I wish I could come out as quickly as possible, but I couldn't come out. I was trapped. But then there was a time when I realized, you know what? I want to know Jesus. I want to actually get to know God. It was in 84, and I began to see God. And from that point onwards, my life took a dramatic change. From 1984 till today, there, there was a certain trajectory that I had that I have not, by the grace of God, I have sought to not give up on. Now, I made many mistakes, made many failures, but there was something that I discovered about Christ and about his kingdom that for me was worthwhile sacrificing the things that I have sacrificed in order to realize. So the word of God must be found. One of the things I want to encourage you as a child of God to do is to locate yourself in the scriptures. You know, Paul and Barnabas, when they were preaching to some people, as they preached and they got opposition, they, they said this, the Lord, you know, the Lord has instructed us. They quoted a verse in Isaiah and said, the Lord has told us to go to the Gentiles. They, they read something in the Bible and they could apply it as reality to their life. The word of God is so powerful. And, and I'm, I want to lay this foundation because I want you to get an appetite for the word of God concerning your life. So the word of God must be found. Secondly, the word of God must be eaten. He says, your word will found and I ate them. The word of God must be eaten. In other words, we must invest our time with the word by becoming very familiar with the word, by becoming very experienced in uh, how we handle the word. We must come to a place where we have digested the word. Hallelujah. As you take on the word, as you learn to become familiar with the word, 
when I say the word, I'm talking about the Bible, um, anything in the Bible, any um, principle or spiritual truth that reinforces what's already in Scripture. And anything also that God says to us. When you learn to invest your time in the Word of God, you will begin to see the benefits of it. God's word must be digested spiritually. This is how we eat the word. We listen to it. We read it. We think about it. That is meditate in, 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 in Christianity, in our faith. Meditation is not emptying our minds. Meditation is focusing our mind on something and then rehearsing it back to ourselves. So you focus your mind on God's word. So in Psalm chapter 1, the scripture says, Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he does meditate day and night. He meditates. He, puts, he sets his mind on the word day and night. He continuously ponders on the word. Now look at the benefit. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. What a powerful blessing. What a powerful blessing. When you meditate in the word, something will happen, which I'm going to move on to. You, it will begin to change you. It will begin to change you. And the way you demonstrate the value you place on the word of God is by how you invest yourself in the word. It's not by having expensive Bibles or tablets or, 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 or concordances. You know, and put them on the shelf and hope that they'll speak to you back. That's not how you demonstrate the value you place on God's word. I remember many years ago going to a church and the pastor saying, you know, whenever you, whenever you go to bed, keep your Bible open. Because when the Bible is open, the devil can't attack you. What absolute nonsense. The, Bible, the devil can handle the Bible better than you. Can read the verses better than you. It is not the Bible as a book that has power. It's the Bible under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has power hallelujah but the way you demonstrate the value you place on God's word is by how you invest your time in God's word and most importantly is by how you apply God's word so investing your time in God's word means you listen to it these days we can listen to it you know you read it you think about it you study it you memorize it, and then above all that, you apply it. You apply it. That's how you invest yourself in the word of God. That's how you eat the word. By taking it in and applying it. And applying it. So, that's how we place value on the word. And we have to learn to eat the word by placing value on it like we would hidden treasure. You see, the word must become the most important uh, influence on your life. <clears throat> the word of God, it must be the most important influence. It must be. If you want to have its benefits, you cannot treat the word of God like any other influence. You can't. Your, your mindset, your paradigm, when it comes to the word of God is, if it's, in, if it's in the Bible, then it's, that's it. Hallelujah. 
look at Proverbs chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5. It's an example of how you place value on the word of God. If I want to read it in the New Living Translation, I'm so sorry I didn't give that to you. It says this, my child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver and seek them like treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you gain knowledge of God. You see, one of the reasons why many people are so flippant about God and the things of God is because of the value they place on God's word. When you begin to put the proper value on God's word and you recognize the power of God's word and you recognize the benefits of God's word and you place a value on it in such a way that you will search, you will research, you will seek it out, you will dig for it, you will put it through a process of testing, then how you view God will be influenced by that. You will have the right perspective when it comes to God. He says that, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. Many believers haven't got a clue what it means to fear the Lord. In fact, they think it is a negative. Beloved, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And to depart from evil is the understanding of that wisdom. When you know who he really is, you have the proper reverence and honor and fear of him. Yeah. You can say amen because I'm preaching really good. So, not only do we find the word, not only do we eat the word, but as we do that, the word will transform us. God's word will transform us. You see, the, the thing that many believers do is this, this. They are trying to transform themselves. Right, I'm not going to do this anymore. He says this, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. In fact, he says, your word have I done what? Hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, you may think that it's like his own willpower. It's not, that's not how it works. The word, and I'll touch on it later, the word has intrinsic power. When, you, when the word begins to impact you, it literally begins to change you. It changes you. So look at what Jeremiah says. He says, I, I, your word were found and I ate them. And he says, your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So now, I don't know if you've read Jeremiah. There's a lot of things in Jeremiah that are not very joyful and rejoicing. He's called the weeping prophet. Because he will have revelation and it will make him sad. There's an army coming and all the politicians and all the other church leaders are saying, don't worry, everything is going to be okay. Fight this army. This is a heathen army. And he says, God says, surrender. God said, the Lord says, surrender to Nebuchadnezzar because I've given him the whole earth. They have a prophet that says, no, 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 no weapon formed against you shall prosper. <laughs> they have a prophet that says, no, he's saying, no, God says, surrender. So the rest of the people saying, to the king, listen, deal with this guy. He's really harming us. He's, he's really pulling down our morale. So they put him in prison. They put him in a pit and all kinds of things. So at one time he said to God, man, this is not nice. 
I decided I wasn't going to even say anything anymore. But your word became so powerful in me, it was like fire shut up in my bones. I had to speak. When the word of God begins to influence you, it is the word that changes you. It is the word that changes you. It is the word. So as you are entering into 2019 or whatever year you're going to be entering into, <laughs> I want to encourage you to place value where, where it really matters because all your New Year's resolution has not worked. It has not worked. But I tell you I know something that will work. It's the word of God. God's word will transform your appetites. The more you become familiar with the word of God, the more your appetite for the word will increase. Check your own life out. You will see the reason why you're dry cracker is because of the lack of word. Come on, be honest. Come on. I mean, look. Sometimes, and, and I like praying because I find it's very easy to pray, especially praying in tongues. And when those who can't pray in tongues but really pray, I think you're spiritually very strong. You know, because not everybody can pray in tongues. And, and, you know, there are those who don't pray in tongues, but they pray and they pray, can pray for long. Me, I am bored very easily. So I just like speaking in tongues. But at times, even after I've done all my tongue speaking, it's just dry. It's just shabble, just blah, blah, blah. But then I'll begin to read the Bible. And as I'm reading the Bible, I feel strength coming into my being. I just need about five minutes of Bible reading. And I start, Ten minutes and it's really doing well. Fifteen minutes, wow, hallelujah. It's amazing. You think you will know, you will learn from that. But the word of God, the word of God will change your appetite. It will change your appetite. And I remember many, many years ago, when I started reading the Bible, like everyone, I've just found it very long and boring. So I'll just say to the Lord, Lord, I find your word boring. Tell the truth. Don't make up stories. Oh, your word is beautiful. Your word is nice. Between you and I, I know the Bible says your word is nice and great, but right now I find it very boring. I, 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 I'm falling asleep. How many of you have fallen asleep as you're reading your Bible? It's a very spiritual act. Yeah, it's normal. It's normal. You know, um, the coordinator needs to switch his phone off. Hallelujah. He says it's not him. He's lying. No, no, really. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, so, so the word of God will actually change your appetite. That's the point I want to emphasize. It is not your willpower. You see, it is not your willpower. Because, listen, as for willpower, man, you know, like at times I say, I'm going to fast. I tell myself, this is not, I've made a vow to God business. This is just me. I'm going to fast today. By 8.30, forget this business. Willpower gone. I'm not fasting anymore. I'm under, I'm under grace. Done. The only time I find I can fast is if I say, church, we're fasting. Then you have no choice. You know, you are the pastor. You say, church, we have to fast. So you have to fast. Otherwise, you have to come and confess and say, I didn't fast. So I don't want to do that. So, but what I found is that when God speaks to me about fasting, it becomes easy. When he tells me, son, I want you to fast. Well, in a way, you, can't, you don't really have a choice. God says he wants you to fast and you go and eat. You could end up choking and killing yourself. So it's best you just fast. That's, that's, that's me and the father. So anyway, 
God's word can tra- will transform. Not can. It will transform you. If you expose your spirit to the word long enough. Now, none of this three-minute microwave business and expect the whole world to change. It doesn't work like that. Listen, at times, I'll start reading the Bible and fall asleep. I'll start praying and fall asleep. Then I'll wake up and I'll try to fall asleep. And I'll keep doing it for a few days. Did you hear me? A few days before I get the breakthrough. Wow, it's gone very quiet. You start, you know, okay, you know like sometimes I'll say, right, this, this week is a study. It's a study week. I'm going to be studying the word of God. Huh. Then I'll start to study. And I've, and I've woken up. So I'm just going to pray. And then I'll wake up. <sighs> Morning, I've slept. So my children tend to tell me, you really sleep a lot. That's what I'm saying. Because we're battling. But then after a while of persis- persisting, then there becomes a transformation. So never give up. When you start exposing your spirit to the word of God, don't, don't allow the flesh to be the reason why you stop. Because as you keep doing it, you will find the word will begin to change you. Look at Proverbs 24 verse 13. He says, my son, eat honey because it is good. And the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you found it, there is a prospect and your hope will not be cut off. In other words, the way that honey is to the taste buds is the same way that wisdom or the word of God becomes to your soul. When you find God's word and you embrace God's word, you will have a bright future and your hope will not be cut short. That's another version of this verse. So what, what you find is this. As you allow yourself to be exposed to God's word, your appetites begin to change. And then the word begins to affect your life and begins to affect how you speak and begins to affect what you do and begins to alter. The word itself begins to alter your circumstance. That's why it is so important how you allow God's word to impact your life. And also the final thing I want to emphasize and then move on is God's word is our inheritance. In other words, this is how God enriches you. This is how he enriches you. It's not by giving you more money. It's by giving you word. Even the scripture where he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that they may be meet in my house and prove me in this if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out the blessing so that there will not be enough room. Now that word blessing is a literally is benediction. In other words, God, when you honor him with the tithe, he honors you with a word. He honors you with a word over your life. It is a word. And with that word, he rebukes the devourer for your sake. It is his word. As we're going to learn, God does everything through the vehicle of his word. But his word is your inheritance. He says, you know, I ate your word. It was the joy and rejoice of my heart. And he says, for I am called by your name. Oh, Lord God of hosts, I am called by your name. I am one of yours. I am one of yours. And because I am one of yours, that is why 
all these blessings that comes with the word is my portion. So anything that comes as a result of the word of God is part of your inheritance. Many years ago, a few years ago, I was in a very tricky position, very dangerous position. And I, like, I, I was on the mission field. And I'll just remind the Lord, I'll say, Dad, you know, I'm only here because you said. So I want you to just take charge and protect. And because of that, we were literally protected from some dangerous situations. One day, when, uh, uh, and we had armed burglaries. When armed burglaries come to our house. They came to our house with guns on the mission field. And I was fast asleep. And Aisha said, Joe, I think there are some people outside. And, I, and, and um, as I looked, I saw these guys with guns. And uh, they had the watchman. So I, I, I first I, I said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Nothing happened. I noticed they were banging the door, banging the door. So I, 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 I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Nothing happened again. I thought, hey, these are powerful. So I thought, that's another word to use. Thief! Thief! I start shouting, thief! Thief! And Estina was there. Thief! And that worked. That was really powerful. It worked. They all ran off. Because in Ghana, if you're caught as a thief, the best place you can find yourself is a police station. Otherwise, you'll be killed. But as they ran off, two of them, sadly, were accosted by the police later on and were killed, sadly. I'm not happy about that. I know it's a bit sad, that bit, but the point is we were protected. Now, the thing is, we used to, I used to go out at night a lot just by walking about by myself a lot, not knowing how dangerous the place was. <laughs> Let's walk about. <laughs> you know, sometimes God is protecting you. You have no idea. Yeah. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says this. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, wow, these promises, these exceedingly great and precious promises, by these you may become partakers or partners of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I mean, the promises of God's word are so powerful. One, one promise for instance that I have decided to embrace is Psalm 112. So for me, Psalm 112, I'm not going to go into it today, but it's, 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 for me now, it's, 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 it's part of the Boudou, um DNA for generation upon generation. Read it and you see why. Hallelujah. But not now. I'm teaching, so don't go there now. So the word of God must therefore be exalted above all. It must be exalted above all. Already, the word of God is exalted above all as far as God is concerned. But we also must exalt the word above all. As far as God is concerned, his word is the highest authority in existence. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, 
you have magnified your word above all your name. You have, you have made your word great beyond your name. Now, I don't know if I know all the meanings behind that. I mean, I've looked it up in other versions, and it looks like they don't know themselves. But the point is, the word of God is a big deal. It's a big deal. God's word is so important that it is the highest authority. He has, he has magnified it. In other words, he puts a preeminence over what he says more than even who he is, which is a mystery to me. Because God's word is the expression of his being. And God's name is the description of his being. God's name really is his nature. It's what he's like. But God's word expresses what he is like. In John chapter 1 verse 1, 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Very powerful. So, everything was made by the word. The created order in existence was made by the word. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3, talking about our Lord Jesus, who is the word, he says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things... By the word of his power. Or he holds everything together by his powerful word. Jesus holds everything together by his powerful word. Now, this is a very important point that I'm emphasizing when we begin to go into um, further teachings. Everything is held together by the word of God because everything was created by the word of God. Everything in existence was created by the word of God. The created order that is. Now, if everything is created by the word of God, then everything can be manipulated, so to speak, by the word of God. The word of God created everything and the word of God holds everything together. It holds everything together. So therefore, the word of God can affect whatever is in existence. This is why Jesus could speak to a fig tree and affect that fig tree. He said, no one will eat from you from today. And from that day, it died. Because he spoke and changed the literal chemistry of that fig tree. When the word of God is governing your life, then the word of God will have supremacy over everything in your life. Now, as God holds creation together by his powerful word, our lives are also held together by powerful words. Now, that's a scary bit. So in James chapter 3, for instance, you've heard me teach this many times, but I want to re repeat in James chapter 3, verse 6, the NIV version says this. The tongue also is a fire, NIV. Tongue also is a fire, a world of iniquity, among the parts of the body, it corrupts. The tongue corrupts the whole body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And is itself set on fire by hell. In other words, when your tongue is under the influence of hell, 
then your whole life comes under the judgment of hell. So if your tongue is under the influence of heaven, then your whole life comes under the influence of the word of God. He says that the tongue determines the course of one's life. Not our past. Not, our, not even our parents, although they can have an impact. Not the environment, although it can have an impact. Not what people do to us, but the most important influence in your life is the things you say about your life. The things you say. And so when you learn to allow your tongue to be governed by the word of God, then you allow God to influence and manipulate and oversight your life. Can you say amen? Yeah, it's very important. So there are certain things that you have to, and that's why you have to learn to allow your spirit, that is your heart, your mind, your emotions, to be, and your will to be governed and influenced by the word of God. Because it's out of the abundance of your heart that your mouth will speak. And whatever your heart is filled with will affect how your life is lived. Yeah. Are you still here? I'm going to conclude with the following statements about the word of God. I have problems with this thing from time to time. People telling me I'm looking like an old man. Bless them in Jesus' name for such statements. Jesus, our Lord, as I've already alluded to, he is the final word. He is the final word. He is the one upon whom everything else that we say and do is measured. And that's why it's so important how we allow him to influence our lives. Now, you know what? I'm going to stop here because of time. And I want to pray over you. I want to bless you, especially those of you that perhaps you have not placed the proper premium on the word of God in your life. I want to give you a chance to rededicate and consecrate yourself when it comes to the word. How you uh, prioritize the word. How you allow the word to affect you. So, if you, as you were seated there, uh, making a fresh dedication to the Lord concerning his word over your life and how you expose yourself to the word. And you're saying to him, Lord, from today, I want to make the word a priority. I want to make the word, I want to have my heart filled. I want to make 2019 a year where I will begin to feed myself on your word. Why don't you stand where you are? I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you concerning this. I want to do this myself. So I'm doing it. I'm standing as well, Father. So I want us to stand together if that's you. And as you stand, no, everybody needs to do this, but if you want to do it, as you stand, lift up your hands to the Lord. And in your own words, I want you to begin to just tell him about his word and about what you want to happen to you when it comes to his word. Begin to talk to God right now. Begin to talk to God right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, right now, today, we thank you for your word and we reprioritize 
the supremacy of your word. We are saying, Father, in the name of Jesus today, we want a fresh appetite to expose ourselves to your word. A new hunger, a new zeal to feed on your word. Father, I pray for this church and everyone standing right now. As you stand, kindly raise your hands to him if you can. If you can, that's all right. Raising our hands is just a sign of surrender to God. We're saying, Lord, whatever we have, we are giving to you. And whatever you have, we are receiving. Father, I ask for fresh revelation upon these men and women that are standing right now. Lord, I stand with them as we stand before you. We are asking for a new baptism of your word. A new hunger. A new passion for your word. Lord, we are asking this in the name of Jesus. Let this church be a church that places a premium on your word. Let these people be a people that feed on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may take your seats. Thank you very much.